that you want me to share on Surely, as the, the word uh, began to emerge in my spirit, that I speak to speak on sowing and reaping. And uh, so that, that's really what I'm going to share on this morning. And I, I'm going to say uh, a little bit more about that in a moment. But we need to understand, and it's already been alluded to by the power of the Holy Spirit in, in, in the, the words that came forth, that the universe is governed by strict laws, strict and immutable laws. They are absolute laws. The planets in our solar system follow an exact path around the sun, never changing, never uh, very that predictable. They are ordered. And that's what makes empirical science possible because they are easy to measure. You can quantify. You can, that's what really makes science possible is these exact laws of the universe. And the, the, the truth is, if you read Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 8 and verse 3, it says this, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. God has a, an order for the stars that roam the universe. They have an exact place. Isaiah 40 says this, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry house one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. The truth that I want to draw from that is that there are certain rules that govern our life. There are principles that are unchanging. They are immutable and inflexible just as much as the physical world is. There are spiritual laws in our life, and we need to know them. Otherwise, they will work against us. Uh, and so we're going to look at a couple of things this morning. And I'm going to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. I want to just uh, uh, spend a little bit of time in this particular passage. Uh, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. And it says this, as long as the earth endures, stop and think about that just for a second. As long as the earth endures, that's quite a long time. You know, and he starts off by saying, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Do you see that this eternal principle of sowing and reaping is, is built into, into these statements? For as long as the earth remains, this verse begins and ends with the, the, the promise of this everlasting principle of seed time and harvest. And so it doesn't matter which dispensation you think you're in. Seed time and harvest is every dispensation. Can you say amen? And so God is saying that our whole life is seed time and harvest. You know, um, It's really part of the covenant. Everything that happens to us is at least in part due to seed time and harvest. That's quite a thought. You know, part of the covenant, just as you cannot break the covenant with summer and winter, Day or night, it's eternal. God is saying you cannot break this principle of sowing, reaping, seed, time, and harvest. And so it becomes a really important principle, a powerful principle. And it's always at work. And sometimes it works for us, and sometimes it works against us. And if we're smart, we learn how to sow and plant carefully, then it works for us all the time. Amen. But if you don't know about seed time and harvest, that it is an eternal principle, there are things that happen in our life because we're lazy, because we are uninformed. Hosea 4, 6, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. 
If we don't understand that our lives are governed by this principle of seed time and harvest, uh, that is an eternal principle, then uh, we, we're going to really struggle. But the moment we realize that it becomes a principle that, that we can work with, uh, we can prosper it. Stop and think a second. Don't miss this because this is powerful. Are you happy with your life? Yeah. Um, not <laughs> I'm happy with something to say. Mm. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. The, the thing is, you know, um, the things that are happening to us now are the harvest of our previous thoughts, words, and actions in the past. So, because this is an eternal principle, so it, it becomes really important. You know, some people say, My life sucks. Why doesn't God do something? When well, He has. He's given us this principle of seed time and harvest. He's given us the power to change our destiny, to change our future, to change our will, to change our life through seed time and harvest. And so it's quite an exciting thing, uh, this, this principle of seed time and harvest. Today's words, thoughts, and actions are planting for a future harvest in our life. And so if we can marshal our words and govern the things we say and our actions and do that which is pleasing to the Lord, how many know you reap a great harvest? Yeah. And so it becomes a very powerful principle that God has given to the church, to believers, uh, that can revolutionize the world, can transform our lives. You know, this is an exciting principle because uh, it knows no bounds. Its potential is unlimited. You know? You can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. Amen. You can take one apple seed, you can plant it, and it becomes an apple tree that bears hundreds and hundreds of, of apples that year. And the next year it does the same, and the year after that. So you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in the seed. The potential is unlimited. And this is what God is saying that, that this seed time and harvest. Is all about increase. It's all about uh, growth and development. How many of you know it's never too late to grow? Can you say amen? It's never too, you're never too old to learn. So I want to speak to you about spiritual maturity that is determined by the seeds that we sow. We can change our life. We can change the direction of our whole uh, life if we learn to uh, uh, sow good seed. Now, I want to say something about the prosperity message here because people use the scripture uh, and these scriptures about the prosperity message. And uh, my message this morning is not about the prosperity message, although I, I believe it's, it's a legitimate message and many preachers use these texts to teach from it. Um, but there, there are many that criticize the prosperity message. You know, but when you listen to their criticisms, you realize that they have uh, actually... Um, they don't fully understand the message of prosperity because that prosperity is not about ourselves. It's about the kingdom. Can you say amen? And people often criticize the prosperity message because people withhold uh, the, the prosperity for themselves. And, uh, you know, the, these people who criticize it are often taught about the distortions or witnessed extreme excesses. And, um, but we need to establish it in our hearts that the Bible teaches that wealth comes from the Lord. I'm just going to say a few few comments about this, and then I'm going to get on to uh, something different. But I think it's important that you understand. There are a multitude of scriptures that talk about God's prosperity. We could look at Proverbs 10, 22, uh, Job 
And so uh, it, it's, you know, the, these verses are really talking about farming practices, sowing and reaping. And I, I grew up pretty much on a farm. Uh, our neighbors had a, a, a small farm, so, uh, 3,000 acres or something like that. And, uh, every week uh, we'd go out and, and uh, we, we would, uh, on the weekends, go farming. And as a young boy of, of 13 or 14, I learned to drive on the farm. And my job was carrying soil to the, the dam builders. We were building a dam on, on the farm. And at 13 or 14, I, it was just the greatest, man. Uh, you could drive around carrying soil. And, you know, it was, it was wonderful. We, we would do all sorts of things. But, you know, it, 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 was, it was really quite an interesting, uh, interesting time because, you know, on other occasions, uh, uh, instead of building on the dam, he'd say, you know, let's go and dehorn the cattle. And uh, we'd go around, we'd be catching these young calves and dehorn them so that they weren't a problem later on. And that was quite energetic work, I can tell you. Uh, you know, you're running after these calves and they can kick you and, and you know, and you're diving off and practicing your rugby. And they are so nimble. You dive there and by the time you land the calves over there, you just hit the deck. It's really quite tricky. One other time we got planting corn, you know, it really was cheap labor. My, my neighbor was really using us for cheap labor, but you know, we loved it. We used to get up early five o'clock in the morning and go shooting. And, uh, you know, or, or we'd get the fishing rods and go down to the dam and we fish and come back at breakfast time and then we'd start to work. And uh, it was wonderful. We'd you know, do whatever we wanted. It was a great life on the farm. And so this is really the principle uh, of, uh, of, of farming that, that the Holy Spirit has illuminated here in Galatians. And so let's listen to what Galatians says. Be not deceived. Don't fool yourself, folks. You cannot escape this principle of sowing and reaping. We've already established that it's an eternal thing as unbreakable as summer and winter. Why is it so? Because God's word will never return void. Can you say amen? God's word has established this. He said, you're going to reap what you sow. Uh, and so, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Sowing anger and hate, and you're going to reap violence and contempt. So, love and peace, you're going to receive, receive, reap. Sorry, they weren't, they weren't sticking. Um, you will reap grace and mercy. And so, whatever you sow is going to uh, have an effect on your life. And so, I want to draw your attention this morning. To Hosea, he's got a beautiful verse in Hosea chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13, a very important principle that we need to look at this morning. God's instruction to the nation of Israel was this, verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Till he comes and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness and you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy ways. When we start to do things our way, how often do we think we've got a plan that's better than God's? We won't admit it. <laughs> but notice. Excuse me. The pups are rusty. You know, we sometimes uh, trust in our own ways rather than trusting in the Lord. 
I love what Billy Graham said as a commentary on this one. He said, so goodness, uh, so in righteousness, and read God's mercy. Man, we need God's mercy. We need God's grace. And so he said, you want that? You need to sow in righteousness. Sow in these, these things. So we cannot avoid this principle. He says uh, to Hosea, he said, you've plowed in wickedness and you reap iniquity. Do things your way. You know, when things go hard in our life, that is a beacon that, that God is trying to get our attention. Something is out of order. The Bible says that he makes the way of the transgressors hard. That's God's mercy and grace because he's trying to say to you, you're going down the wrong way. You're making a mistake too so that you can be blessed. God wants to bless his people. Can you say amen? And so when things are not going right, we need to examine our life because it may be that we're doing things our own way. We need to spend time. We need to do what God told Israelites, seek ye the Lord until he reign righteousness upon you. So, you know, we need to be very careful. We will either sow to the flesh or we'll sow to the spirit. That's the only two things that we, only two areas we will sow. Because law, the law of sowing and reaping is all about increase, we need to be very careful about the seed we sow. Can you say amen? Because it'll determine the kind of person you and I will become. The kind of things that we are sowing will actually impact the character that we're actually growing and developing in. So we need to look at our, our, our whole life and say, God, help me to sow good seed. Help me to sow into the spirit. Um, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm tired of reaping wickedness and, and, and hardship and difficulty and pain. I want the blessing of the Lord. He says, these things come upon you because you do things your own way. And when we come to God and say, Lord, I surrender completely. I'm going to do everything your way. The, the days of struggle are over. How many of you know it's not always easy to do things God's way? But it can be a real blessing. Ultimately, it's the best way to lead the best life is being obedient to what the Lord says. And he says, you either sow to the flesh or you're going to reap uh, or sow to the spirit. And your life will, if you examine your life, you'll begin to see where you're sowing and what, what becoming dominant in your life. So let me ask you a, a, a question. Are you sowing sexual impurity, greed, jealousy, anger, bitterness, drunkenness? Are you sowing to the sinful nature? And basically what the Holy Spirit asks and he asks each and every one of us. And he stipulates in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, what the, what the sinful nature is. Uh, you can identify that these things are in your life. <clears throat> the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, which is greed, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. A comprehensive list, but you get the idea of the things that are, are problematic. I warn you, as I did before, the Holy Spirit said that those who do things like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, there are people that are standing in pulpits of churches who are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. There are people who are sowing to the flesh and teaching God's people how to stumble and saying things that God condemns. I've said many times. We need to be careful about the seeds we're saying because these 
this list of things that I've just read out are the seeds of unrighteousness, the seeds of the wicked. It's the, the harvest of corruption. And so we need to be very careful if we identify with any one of those things in that list, because it, it's the harvest of corruption. We're saying to the flesh. I want you to think about this. And, uh, did you know that before you got saved, God had a record of everything you did wrong? Whoops. Everything. Man, when I found that out, I was terrified. I thought, no, God, please. <laughs> I've got to have a few things I've got away with, not everything. You know? And you can read about it at the Great White Throne Judgment, the judgment of the wicked. And uh, it, it, it's really a, a, a terrifying thing. You don't want to be at, at the Great White Throne Judgment, amen? Some of you do? Am I, am I on the right group? You don't want to be at the Great White Throne Judgment, let me tell you. That's the place where the wicked go to be judged. Revelation chapter 20, you can read about this. And I think it's really important because I'll show you something really beautiful in a second. Revelation 20, 11 and 12. And I saw a great white throne and the one who sat upon it, who, from whom whose face the earth and sky fled away, but they found no place to hide. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before God. And the books were opened including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books, each according to the deeds he has done. If you are not being saved, if you are not saved, you're going to be judged by your works. And folks, God doesn't forget anything that you did wrong. You don't want to be judged by this judgment. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to know that our sin is under the blood of Christ. And so, uh, it, it's really important, it says, that we will be judged according to the things written in the books. This is talking about the judgment of the wicked. The unsaved sinner has a record much like any criminal in our justice system. The wicked have a rap sheet with God. Each violation, each sinful act is recorded. Nothing that is hidden will remain secret. Everything will be exposed. Imagine on the day of judgment, the things that you had buried down so deep, you dare not speak about. It will be brought out. It's going to be exposed. Jesus spoke about this. We have, we have Jesus' testimony. It's found in Luke 12, 2 and, and 5. It says, There shall nothing be covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whosoever you have spoken in the darkness, Sorry, there should be whatsoever you have spoken in the darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after have no more power that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after hath killed the body has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Imagine your rap sheet being exposed. All the things you've done going back uh, uh, your entire life are going to be exposed in front of everyone. And you're going to be judged by that. There's nothing you will get away with. And that's our rap sheet. Every one of us, before we came to Christ, had a rap sheet where God recorded us and where everything was written down. I, I found that terrifying. 
When I, when I first heard that, I thought, oh, God, I'm in big trouble. But then I heard the gospel. Oh, thank God for this glorious gospel. Thank God for a wonderful Savior. I want to draw your attention to a particular passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Because every, every sin was written down until we came to Christ. Colossians chapter 2, 13. And you've been dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath you quickened, made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Listen, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. That's your rap sheet. When you came to Christ, your rap sheet was nailed to the cross. It was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was nailed against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out the way, nailing it to his cross. What's that saying? That our rap sheet was expunged in Jesus Christ. That our rap sheet, all our trespasses and all of our sins were obliterated, never to be remembered ever again. There is no record of our past sins. I could get so really happy about this. No record. Nothing. Because it's all been removed and cast into the sea of God's forgiveness. All charges have been blotted out by the blood, covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never to be remembered again. We passed from death unto life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a savior. What an amazing God we serve. We, we, well, because of what Jesus has done, we are forgiven. We are justified. We are sanctified. We are declared righteous, holy, pure. God has done all that for the, and brought it out every sin that we've ever committed. And he declares us redeemed of the Lord. What an amazing God. That he would take our sins and nail them to the cross and obliterate them, lock them out, covered by the blood of Jesus. As a result of that, now we, the redeemed, must turn away from all ungodliness. We can't build again those things we once destroyed. Amen. We've got to do what John, John the Baptist said bring forth fruit in keeping with your repentance. That's the, the works, uh, if you like. We're to bring forth works in keeping with our salvation. Let me say, works do not save us. Let me say that again. Works do not save us. But our works are the evidence of our salvation. A very important distinction. If you are truly saved, you're going to bring forth fruit in keeping with, with your repentance. And so it, it, it's really important. That shows that our, our conversion is real. That our, our relationship with God is founded in his love and life. So we now as children of life must sow to the spirit and produce the fruit of righteousness. In, in that, we're still looking at Galatians 6-7. Paul is teaching the Galatians, and by extension, all of us, well, the Holy Spirit is really doing the teaching. And he's saying, now that you're born again, now that Christ lives within you and that the Holy Spirit is in us, we must be led by the Spirit, and if we are, we will walk in the Spirit. Man, when I first read that walking in the spirit, I didn't understand it at all. Walking in the spirit. You know, to me, things in the spirit were very ethereal and, and mystical and weird. And I kind of thought, if I'm walking in the spirit, how do I walk? You know? <laughs> I have no idea. I just, how do you walk in the spirit? I, I, I just didn't make sense to me. Until I began to study, and I, I looked down and I looked at this word walk. Uh, what, what does it mean to walk? And it's the Greek word peripateo. And peripateo actually means 
to, con uh, to conform to a particular behavior. And then it made sense. Then it made sense. I understood what God was saying. If you conduct yourself in a certain way, if you led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, you'll conduct yourself in a certain way. And the result of it will be the fruit found in verse 22. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. So if we are conducting ourselves in a certain way, we are sowing these wonderful qualities of, of, the, of, of the fruit of the Spirit. And as a result of that, we are going to be exceedingly blessed. Can anyone say amen? amen. And so God really wants to uh, bless us uh, with everlasting life. So if you walk in, in the Spirit, if you walk in parapetale, if you walk in a certain way, you're planting these good things, love, joy, peace, etc., you're planting these things and you're going to reap the, the, uh, a spiritual life. And as a result of that, Peter says, you will rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Man, what I found in Christ, I could never go back to what the world has to offer. Could you? No. Serving the Lord is the greatest thing that has ever happened to my I'm as excited today, 50, 60 years later, than, than, than from the day that I was saved. It was an amazing thing. I can never go back. God has done such an amazing thing in our life. Okay, so this is what God wants us to do. So we can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of joy. Our glorious hope is change the seed, change the harvest, change your life. You know, think of that little acorn, that little acorn seed. You plant it and it becomes a mighty acorn tree, a mighty oak tree. And so that's what God is saying. The little changes that we make in our life can mean huge changes in our character and our spiritual walk with God. It doesn't need to be something massive, but if you start to plant the right seed, it's going to produce a wonderful harvest. And that's really what we, we need to understand. Uh, so we need to take time to sow, and the things we should sow into, we should sow into the Word. We should sow into prayer. We should sow into giving. We should sow into helping others. We should sow good seed. And, and, and really demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like. And as a result of that, people will be drawn to the light of our life through the testimony that we live. Can you say amen? So, do you remember the account uh, in the parable of the sower and the seed? Jesus was talking about it in, in Luke 8. And uh, he actually speaks about it. He says uh, that the, the seed is the word of God. The word is the seed, whichever way now you want to put it. So, Whatever you need in your life, God has supplied a seed. There are over 8,000 promises in the Word of God, 8,000 seeds that if you plant, you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. You're going to walk into eternal life with all its manifold blessings. The blessings of God will chase us down and overtake us. I want you to just think about how we can get practical now. How do we actually... Uh, how do we so uh, walk in, in, in a certain way, conduct ourselves in a certain way, by saying certain So, being practical, how many would like to make the world a better place? Amen. It would be, be a wonderful thing to make a better place. Let me give you some advice. So kindness. So kindness. You want to touch people with the gospel? So kindness. 
So kindness first before you, you give them the gospel. Because kindness is a beautiful thing. It disarms the defensive. And it softens the hearts of the resistant. Sowing kindness will make an incredible difference. It's a beautiful thing to sow kindness. God wants to bless us as we sow kindness. I want to read a story to you in closing this morning. And it goes like this. One day, a man saw an old lady stranded on the side of the road. But even in the dim light of day, he could see that she needed help. So he pulled up in front of her Mercedes and got out. His old Pontiac was still spluttering as he approached her. Even with a smile on his face, she looked worried. No one had stopped for hours. He, was he going to hurt her? He didn't look safe. Uh, he looked poor and hungry. And he said, I'm here to help you, ma'am. Wouldn't you like to wait in the car where it's warm? By the way, my name is Brian Anderson. Well, all she had was a flat tire. But for an old lady, that was bad enough. Brian crawled under the car looking for a place to put the jack, skinning his knuckles a time or two. Uh, so he was soon able uh, to change the tire, but he had to get dirty and his hands hurt a bit. While he was tightening up the lug nuts, she rolled down the window a little and began to talk to him. She told him that she was from St. Louis and she was only passing through. She couldn't thank him enough for coming to her aid. Brian just smiled as he closed her trunk. The lady asked how much she owed him. Any amount would have been all right with her. She had already imagined all the awful things that could have happened had she had he not stopped. Brian never thought twice about being paid. This was not a job to him. This was just helping someone in need. God knows there'd been plenty who'd given him a helping hand in the past. He had lived his whole life that way and never occurred to him to act in any other way. He told her if she really wanted to pay him back, the next time she saw somebody who needed help, she could give that person the help that they needed. And Brian added, think of me. He waited until she started the car and drove off. It had been a long, cold, depressing day, but he felt good inside as he headed home, disappearing into the twilight. A few miles down the road, the old lady saw some more cafe. She was starved. It had been hours since she had last eaten. So she went in and grabbed a bite to take the chill of her before she made the last leg of her trip home. It was a dingy-looking restaurant. Outside were two old gas pumps. The whole scene was totally unfamiliar to her. The waitress came over and brought a clean, fluffy towel for her to wipe her head. She had a sweet smile, even though uh, being on her feet for the whole day uh, it was a it was a problem for her. Sorry, I've lost my place. <laughs> um, the waitress came over and brought a clean, fluffy towel uh, to wipe her hair. She had a sweet smile, one that even being on her feet the whole day couldn't erase. The old lady noticed the waitress was nearly eight months pregnant, but she never let the strain from the aches change her attitude. The old lady wondered how someone who had so little could be so giving to a stranger. Then she remembered Brian. After the lady finished her meal, she paid with a $100 bill. The waitress quickly went to get the change for the $100. But the old lady slipped right out the door. She was gone by the time the waitress came back. The waitress wondered where the lady could be. Then she noticed something written on a napkin. There were tears in her eyes. 
when she read what the lady had wrote. You don't owe me anything. I've been there too. Somebody help me out the way I'm helping you. If you really want to pay me back, here's what you need to do. Don't let this chain of love end with you. Under the napkin were four more $100 bills. Well, there were tables to clear and sugar bowls to fill. There were people to be served, but the waitress made it through another day. That night, when she got home from work and climbed into bed, she was thinking about that nearly $500 extra that she had made and what the old lady had written. How could she have known how much she and her husband needed it? With a baby due next month, it was going to be hard. She knew how worried her husband was. And as he lay sleeping next to her, she gave him a soft kiss and whispered in a low, soft voice, everything is going to be all right. I love you, Brian Anderson. <laughs> Kindness is a beautiful thing, you know. It's a beautiful seed to sow. One of the hardest things to give away because kindness normally comes back to you. But it's something we should be sowing anyway. I want to close with the, the, this quote from John Wesley, the way that he lived his life. And if you want an, an incredible example of a, of a Christian life, couldn't do better than John Wesley. Let me read what John Wesley's really motto was like. like he said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, in all the places you can, all the times you can, and all the people, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. Man, is sowing glorious seed. I believe that if, if we really went out and, and sowed kindness and kept on sowing kindness, we would be such a wonderful harvest and the world could be changed by this principle. So my challenge to you, because how many know that James talks about those who hear the message and don't put it into practice? He says, you deceive yourselves. And I know you wouldn't want to be deceived. I know that. Amen. <laughs> and so I want to give you I want to give you an exercise starting this morning, starting right now, that you sow kindness every day this week. And next Sunday when we come together, we can have a testimony of what God has done, how the, the acts of kindness have, have blessed other people. So are you up for the challenge? Are you prepared to sow kindness to someone every day this week? I've already planned it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Praise God. So that, that's the challenge. So let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. This is one small area. I mean, this is such a vast subject. Uh, we could look at so many things. So I thought I'd just look at that one area of sowing kindness to change our life and our character. So, Father, as we bow before you in prayer, Lord, we want to ask for your blessing upon each and every one of us. I ask Heavenly Father that you would help us, Lord, uh, Lord, not to sow seed to the flesh, reap corruption. Help us, Lord, to, to change and to examine our life and realize that, Lord, you've given us the ability to sow good seed, wonderful seed, that will be a blessing not only to, to those to whom it's sowed, but also, Lord, that we would reap this harvest of righteousness, this wonderful blessing. And so, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that, that Lord, that, that you would place this, uh, this challenge upon their heart. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be just hearers of the word only and deceiving ourselves. So, Lord, help us to remember, Lord, to make us a priority.
to sow kindness every day in this week. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to grow in the things of God and the things of the Spirit. Lord, that we might be those that bring delight to the Father's Lord. Father, we pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuse me. Praise God. Um, praise God. I know this message. I know I, before you do that, as you're coming up, um, I know that this message is going to get me in trouble. I'll get somebody to remind me to say kindness. Praise God. Yes. Thea and Matthew, are you going to come up? Oh, I don't know what happened to my, oh, my, there's my recording, sorry. I'm just trying. My recording's, do you want to, Matthew? Do you want to? See, you're going to come and help Matthew? There we go. Oh, yeah.